Morning, morning, morning. Yes, we're back with another rider, another episode. Today we have Sally, all the way from overseas across the pond, and she's a psychiatrist. Psychologist, Sorry, actually. psychologist. As it goes, can you tell us what's the difference between a psychiatrist and psychologist? I get this question all the time. So basically, a psychiatrist goes to medical school and then specializes in psychiatry, whereas a psychologist typically does their undergrad in psychology and then does a postgrad, like a, a PhD, a doctorate degree in clinical or counseling psychology. So the latter is what I've done. So I did my undergrad in psychology and my postgrad in counseling psychology. Essentially, what it really kind of boils down to is a psychologist does kind of therapeutic, kind of talk therapy and a psychiatrist prescribes medication. Okay, okay. It's really the main difference. What do you prefer? get this asked a lot it really depends on who the patient is it really like I'm not kind of anti-medication or you have to do one way or the other I would think if a person is going to be on medication from a psychiatrist or prescribed by their GP then I think that they should be at least seeing a psychologist and doing some sort of therapeutic talk therapy intervention but I think a lot of people think that as a psychologist we're very anti-psychiatry anti-medication and I would say that's not the case it's just every person is different every person needs has different needs and it's what's best for that individual and as a healthcare professional you have to support that this question I'm going to ask it's from kind of personal experience of a loved one and what it comes down to is that the person who is in medical, who is in like needed therapy, psychiatry kind of thing, is very religious. Okay. But the psychiatrist or therapist or what have you wasn't, was right. kind of a staunch. And mm-hmm. over time I looked and I thought, that's the problem. Because right. you're so anti and this person is right. thing. You're not really the best person. Yeah. Do you agree with that, that they should be in line and people, the, the person who's like, obviously, let's say, I'm not sure. Could I call them a therapist overall? Yes, okay, yeah, so the therapist overhand, yeah. overall, should be honest and say, listen, I'm going to recommend you to somebody else. Right. Because I, you're dealing with something which I don't, do you see what I mean? I, t- I completely, from what I'm understanding, I completely understand what you mean. And... I think that from experience and from research, what shows is that a patient or a client and a a therapist or psychologist, whomever, they don't necessarily need to completely align and have, you know, like they don't need to be completely same religious views or same kind of political views or whatever, that it doesn't need to be like that. Um, But what matters most is and this goes across from research, this goes across you know, many different therapeutic interventions, is the therapeutic relationship. So if that, if your family member feels as though their therapist it really cares for them and is really you know, taking care of them and appreciates and respects and wants them to do better. So it's not at all about aligning one views with another it's just is there a bond there and does the
client slash patient feel cared for mm-hmm. and majority of the research shows it doesn't matter who you're working with who you're whether they're a psychiatrist psychologist you know CBT person centered what matters most is that there is a strong therapeutic bond and that shows the greatest therapeutic change mm-hmm. yeah, that's good why did you get into this industry I think uh, <laughs> this is maybe a really weird answer. I wanted to be a doctor initially, like a pediatric or some sort of like a GP or something. And then I kind of realized that the human body is pretty disgusting. <laughs> and okay. I don't really want to touch anybody and weird things happen. <laughs> and it's not to say that doesn't happen in psychology, but it's a form of helping people I definitely wanted to help I wanted to be a carer I wanted to help people and that wasn't a conscious choice but I kind of went from being a doctor being a GP it just kind of formed into psychology I don't really know why but a, a big part of me does wonder that I think there's a lot of weird things that happen with the human body and I don't really like it. <laughs> and I'm pretty happy that I don't have to deal with that. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. What, what are the weird things that's happened in your professions with the human body? Oh, lots. Like, to be fair, I would say the most part is pretty normal. Like, I would say, yeah, you get a sense of a person I would say pretty early on if I didn't think they were a good fit or if I got an uncomfortable feeling from them, I think pretty early on I would say, you know, I don't think I'm the right person for you. I don't think we're a good fit. I don't think we're going to meet kind of the goals you're wanting to achieve in therapy. And I would try, I would just encourage them to refer on. So you wouldn't take on Hannibal Lecter? <laughs> uh, probably not. But like, I don't know. There's there is the part of me that like really wants to like help a person, and uh, yeah, kind of. I think if as I, I, it's not that I wouldn't take on like a really difficult client. It's more if I felt they were being respectful to me, and I didn't feel unsafe. And like the thing is with a, uh, like a therapeutic contract, so any, any start of a therapeutic relationship, you have to say, you know, there are boundaries to confidentiality. Everything we say is confidential with the exception of if I'm worried for your safety or anybody else. And anybody else includes myself so, as yeah. well. It's a nice so, way of saying, in case you're threatening me. Yeah, in case so you don't you're want to say, You don't want to say that thing. Go, what do you <laughs> yeah, mean? Yeah, Why exactly. And then they could get emotional about it. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it's kind of, as long as they are safe and they're not unsafe to anyone else, they're not breaking any laws, I don't feel unsafe. And I feel like we could work together. We could achieve some sort of therapeutic change. Mm-hmm then I probably would work with them as long as, you know, as long as everyone is safe and we're working towards something beneficial. Have you ever felt unsafe? And if so, what was the circumstances? Yeah, I have. And just, I would prefer to not get into that, but it's nothing like super crazy or it's nothing like really radical or anything. But yeah, 
Like, you just kind of have to... And I wouldn't say I was, like, threatened in any way. But, yeah, clients will push the boundaries, definitely. Do you help criminals? I don't, personally. No. But criminals definitely see psychologists, psychiatrists. Like, they're... Number one clients. Well, they're in, there are psychologists and psychiatrists that work in prisons. Okay, I suppose they're only second to Hollywood. Sorry? In the sense, <laughs> they're only second, meaning their clients, Hollywood, everybody in Hollywood seems <laughs> right. to have, have a therapist right. or psychiatrist. And then, and then yeah? criminals. And then it's right. the criminals need yes. them afterwards, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, personally, I've never worked with anyone in prison because I don't work in prisons. I have worked with someone famous, but who was an actor. Uh-huh. A class actor? No. Obviously, no, we can't give names. Okay. No. But if we saw him, we'd know all know him or her. Yeah, it was. And to be honest, I didn't even know who this person was because I don't. I just didn't know the TV or the series. And then all of a sudden, I saw them on my TV one day, <laughs> and I was like, oh. <laughs> There, there she is. <laughs> oh, but that's kind of nice because yeah. you're talking to someone and then you're just talking and, and they can see you don't know them. Yeah, she liked that I didn't know who she was. Yeah. That happened with Robert De Niro. It wasn't huh. a psychiatrist. He was on a trip huh. one time. And okay. where he was on a boat trip, because the guy who was telling the story, he, it was his boat. Right. And he was uh, teaching us on a course saying how he never watched his TV. And he had Robert De Niro and Naomi Campbell, and he took them on a boat trip. Wow. And at the end of their journey, Robert De Niro turned to him and said, you really don't know who I am, do you? <laughs> because Naomi Campbell was throwing hissy fits. So he said, oh, oh, the girlfriend does. was terrible. She was like a real nightmare. Yeah, and he said, no. And he said, if I'm in thing, I'll come back to you again. And Aww. then later on, his son had to explain to him, Dad, that was Robert De Niro. Oh my and he's like, oh, that's oh, amazing. Oh, okay. He's just not interested in TV at all. Yeah. He's an yeah. outdoors guy and is happy to do outdoors yeah. stuff. And stuff. Amazing. What have you learned about the industry that you wish you knew when you had started? I think I was kind of this like warrior of like wanting to help everyone, wanting to change everyone, wanting to, you know, and it just doesn't work that way. It's just. And it's not that it's not, like, I see change every day, but it's not, like, I think when I started, I was, like, I was probably anti-psychiatry, no medication, I can help everyone, psychology can really help everybody, whereas now it's just, it's just a, everything is different, everyone is different. When I, you know, when I first started my post-grad degree, my doctor degree, I was, 25 years old I'm now almost 38 years old so Mm. I'm a very different person I've lived in a different country now for almost over a decade so I'm a very different person than when I started out with this kind of career path Mm -hmm. so I think it's just I think just (laughs) maybe it's just age you just become a bit more realistic that it's not that you can't help everybody but yeah you, you can't you can't help everybody and that's okay mm-hmm. and I think you just I think I when I think of myself when I first started when I first qualified I think that I there was something wrong with me and I needed to work really hard if 
they weren't improving or if they weren't benefiting from our therapy. Whereas now I've realized and, you know, with experience and talking with other supervisors and professionals that it's a two part relationship and it's not just what I can give it's equal parts and what the, the client gives as well. So it's like drugs, drug addicts. They usually won't sort themselves out until, until they they're really, ready. Until they're ready. That really is 100% it. what it is. I, 100%. I read a book once and it's a history of medicine. Hmm. And it went back to the Neolithic and Stone Age yeah. and all that. And they was talking about all the different tribes and groups of people around the world. And they said one thing they all had in common is that they all believed sickness was whether it's physical or mental, was always 70% mental. Right, right. So you, that person had to get their mind right, right yeah. before you started tackling it. Yeah. And if you didn't, then they're just kind of condemned. Yeah, I completely appreciate that. And yeah, a person needs to be ready. And it isn't just, I think that's a, probably the biggest thing I've started, I've learned is that mm. if a person isn't doing well or isn't improving, it's not just because I'm not doing a good enough job that they need to be ready to to work at the change. They only see me an hour a week, if that. Some of them not even that. Mm-hmm. And and if a client isn't willing to commit to an hour a week, then that probably indicates that they're not ready for therapeutic change. Um, so yeah, if I only see them an hour a week and then and they expect life-changing things, mm-hmm. then it's not gonna happen. My, we're coming to the end of the journey. Okay. My last question to you <laughs> is for the listeners out there who are students. Yeah. What's the best route to take to get to your position today? Right. Well, okay. This is, oh, this is a, I get this question. Well, I've had this question a bit. And yeah, I would say, well, I did my undergrad overseas from, and what you need to do from my experience is you can volunteer in in like psychology labs, like post-grad labs, or you're like a research assistant. And then when you become a research assistant, then the kind of overseer of the lab, whether it's a doctorate student or a postdoc student or just a lecturer, like for me, it was lectures at the university I went to, they will write you a recommendation. And for me, it was those recommendation letters by volunteering in their labs, in their research, labs at the university that I went to they wrote the recommendation letters for me and that's really what and and also get really good get good grades you don't have to get the best grades but you know still have fun undergrad is important to have fun and but get some decent grades and get some good recommendation letters by volunteering in research labs and that's really what you need to do if you ever want to become a psychologist well, thanks a lot for that. <laughs> Thank and we you. wish you well. Thank and you. to the audience out there, do not forget to check out our other sister podcast, Africa Investor Stories, where we interview people from around the world who've invested in Africa and they share their real experience. Have a nice day. We hope that episode enhanced your life. We post an interview every day as well as vlogging on our social media channel. Don't forget to subscribe to get our latest episode.